0: Dear friends in Christ, grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our freshman year of college, a friend of mine and I decided to run a marathon. And we thought that we would have the best of both worlds by using the group that was a part of our our college, training for the marathon, and also our own training plan. We thought that we were cheating the system by choosing the flattest streets to run on and running in the cool of the day. And then the race day came. The cool morning quickly melted away to become record-breaking heat. Elite runners decided to abscond from the race so that they could get an elite time another time when it wasn't so boiling hot, 94 degrees. Running in that 94 degree heat was a complete shock to the system. And the longer we ran, the more we saw ambulances lining the streets. We became increasingly motivated to take the water that was jutting out from people's hands along the way. But I still didn't drink enough. Finally, when I saw that 26 mile marker, I was so relieved the torture was almost over. I was so excited to be finished that I put my head down and sprinted to the end. But what I thought was the end wasn't. So I sprinted to the end again, and that still wasn't the end. And I did this over and over again until finally I crossed the finish line. But, I don't remember finishing because I passed out just as soon as I crossed the finish line. And to this day, I don't remember finishing my first marathon. I know that I crossed because I was told that I did and I got a time for it, but I don't remember it because just as soon as I crossed the finish line, I passed out and collapsed, was whisked away to a recovery tent, hooked up to an IV and then sent by ambulance to a hospital so that I could get revived. To top off this eventful day, I discovered a wardrobe malfunction when I got to my dorm. I looked at myself in the mirror and thought to turn to the side and realized that I hadn't covered my backside with a hospital gown the entire way from the car to my dorm room. And so I still don't know how much I truly embarrassed myself on my first marathon. As we're coming out of this hibernation experience, we recognize that the previous season is not entirely behind us, and we still have a race to finish. A finish line is still before us. It might be tempting to call uncle and leave the race or simply to put our heads down and sprint to the end. But even putting our heads down and sprinting to the finish is not sustainable. It's exhausting and we might not finish if we do that. We need space to rest, to drink cool water, and to have our souls revived. So today we rest in Psalm 23. Guided by the shepherd to lie down in beautiful green pastures, to drink from peaceful waters, we feel our very lives coming back. Psalm 23 is a beautiful restorative poem, one that's most people's favorites. And there is a lot to this beautiful poem. It is strategically placed immediately after Psalm 22, which is the very Psalm that Jesus cries out on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 23 comes right after that. And it's beginning, middle, and end is a declaration of trust in the one who is our shepherd, both when life is pleasant and when life brings us face to face with evil and death. There is so much to this Psalm to appreciate. In Hebrew, Psalm 23 consists of 55 words, The center of those 55 words is the 28th word and the 28th word is you. In our Bibles, we find
1: this you, this 28th word in the fourth verse,
0: in the sentence. I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Or in another translation, I will fear no evil for you are with me you is the central word this seems significant and it's punctuated by the first and last words of this psalm which are the same in hebrew lord the lord is what this psalm is all about and he is not distant the lord is my shepherd He is always present, a God with whom we speak directly.
1: You are with me.
0: This psalm is deeply personal, and it's also deeply communal. After they were composed, the psalms became a regular part of the worship life of the people of God. As the community sang these intimate words, it was clear that this psalm was as much for the individual as it was for the community. Each individual person sang this together. The worshiping community knew that the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is your shepherd. The Lord is our shepherd. This image of shepherd was very familiar to the people of God. Many of their ancestors were shepherds, Abel, Rachel, Jacob, Moses, David, and many more. Shepherd was also a title used in reference to leaders and kings. We read of prophets like Jeremiah who prophesied against their leaders, the shepherds who destroyed and scattered the sheep of God's pasture instead of bestowing care on them. We hear of God's promise to place shepherds over them who would tend his sheep. Most significantly, we hear of God as his people's shepherd. In Genesis 48, 15, Jacob called him the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day. In the Psalms, God was named as Israel's shepherd who led them out of captivity in Egypt and into safety. In Isaiah, God was referred to as Israel's shepherd who would bring them out of exile and into peace. In Ezekiel, God declared that he would set up a shepherd who would feed them. And we later discover that the promised shepherd is Jesus, the Lamb of God. As the people of God sang this psalm, they recalled these images, images of their ancestors who cared for them and of God who brought them out of captivity and exile and into freedom. This psalm was not an idealistic hope or some sweet poem, but a declaration of trust in the one who had proven himself time and time again through seasons of joy and through seasons of darkness and death. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. At times, this verse might seem so far from reality. Life seems to be falling apart around you and you can't control any of it. You just watch the chips fall. You're angry, disappointed, exhausted, and you feel alone. You don't feel God. He doesn't seem to be answering your prayers Whether you pray it or not, your heart seems more akin to Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me so far from the words of my groaning? It might be, it might feel dishonest to pray Psalm 23 with its words of childlike, confident trust.
1: And that is okay.
0: Not because I say it, but because scripture gives us this permission. It's the example of scripture itself. Why else would the Psalms give us more examples of crying out in anguish to God than Psalms of praise? Why else would scripture quote Jesus on the cross crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Scripture allows and encourages us to be honest about how we're feeling, both as individuals and as a community. But it doesn't leave us there. Once we have thoroughly challenged God and let it all out, we are encouraged to journey to a place of remembrance, to remember how God has been our shepherd and how he has been your shepherd. We remember how God sent his only son, the good shepherd who felt compassion for his sheep, who did not leave them to fend for themselves or to be abandoned by leaders who sought after personal gain. He cared for them as a shepherd does, guiding them in the right paths, desperately seeking after the lost sheep, and placing himself in harm's way so that his sheep might be spared. We remember that Jesus was and is the good shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep. He did this out of God's great love for us so that you and I and all creation might be restored
1: and that God would be glorified
0: and you are encouraged to remember how God has been your shepherd in your lived experience. I invite you to close your eyes and think on these questions.
1: Think back over your life. When has God comforted you when you were in distress? When has God been present to you when you felt surrounded by evil and death? When has God provided for you when you were in need? When have you
0: been surprised by the love and abundance of God that you felt it was chasing after you.
1: You may open your eyes.
0: Remembering is powerful. It brings our past to our present and allows us to hold both at the same time. Remembering is critical to our lives of faith because as much as you and I may desire to experience and see God fully all the time, we don't always. It's not always possible. This is where not only remembering, but sharing our lives of faith becomes essential. The Lord is my shepherd can be declared because the Lord is also your shepherd. If he were here, he would have the biggest grin on his face to share his story with you. Anyone who knows him knows that he loves being the teacher. He loves being the center of attention. Wherever he is, Sunday school classes, choir confirmation work, when with his neighbors and family, whenever and wherever he teaches and shares about his faith. It's always colored with intentional quips and anecdotes to ensure that you know though, that he is a sinner. When he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, he knew that he was privileged with an audience a special audience, medical staff, and other patients. He hasn't missed many opportunities, if any, to share his faith. A few weeks ago, Jim Geis was placed on hospice. When I went to visit, Jim looked very different from the man that I know. He began to share about his friends who came to visit him some of whom are not yet Christians. I chuckled when I imagined this scene of Jim on his hospice bed, sharing his faith with friends who have come together to share their lives with him, to see him one or a few last times. What a profound position to be in with never more a captive audience than that than when you are facing death. His peace was so profound.
1: I knew that I needed to listen. I needed to be taught by Jim Geis.
0: He was ready. He had prepared himself and gotten everything ready for Brenda, which was his greatest concern. He wanted to make the most of the opportunities to love his friends and family and to share with all who are present of the love, mercy, and goodness of God. Last weekend, he had an emergency trip to the hospital and thought that this might be the end. He began to prepare himself, but had a successful procedure and survived. In a recent phone call, he said, We made it, didn't we, buddy? God's not through with me yet. Even when I am face to face with death,
1: God is with me.
0: Our faith is not always strong, no matter who we are, a pastor, a child, a regular person, or a funny guy on hospice. Sometimes it seems like our faith is as weak as straw. So we need to hear these stories of faith. We need to hear Jim's story. We need to hear each other's stories. I need to hear your story just as you need to hear my story. We need to share our stories because it's true in my life In your life and in our lives, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. To
1: God be the glory. Amen. Let us pray. God, you are our shepherd. You are with us.
0: You guide us. You lead us. You comfort us. And you chase after us with love and mercy. We thank you for your faithfulness to us, for your faithfulness to Jim Geis. We thank you that you are our shepherd who loves us. We pray that you would that we would recognize your work in our lives, that we would share our lives with one another and encourage one another. We pray that everyone would know your tender care and would be encouraged.
1: We thank you for your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen.